Thanks, Pastor Chad. He, he gets clapping after he's done announcements. It's amazing. It's like, few people want to clap. He's so good at them. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here, guys. Man, this is, this is a change for me. I actually can see you. So, um, I don't know. I didn't have stage fright up until today. And so, because uh, the lights were so bright, it was so dark that I could only see the first two rows. And so... Uh, but this morning, I want to share with you guys some things that God's been laying on my heart for uh, our church. And heading into the season of our annual business meeting is a very important time here at Watford City Assembly of God. And um, that'll be here uh, next week. I want to share with you guys some important things in regards to, um, to giving and to vision. And those are going to hinge together over the next two weeks. And so this morning, if you're visiting this morning, uh, I don't talk about money every Sunday. Okay, I want you to understand that. But this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that and how money is a tool that God uses to position us to actually change the world. And really, what we're going to be looking at is the change the world part next week. But this week, we're going to be talking about generosity and and how God uh, uses that to impact people's lives. And, you know, guys, um, something happened to me. Actually, what it it happened to me uh, on the first service that we were here in this new sanctuary. How many people in the room were here for that day? Raise your hand. Okay. Maybe uh, two-thirds of the room or so. Raise their hand. That service was an incredible day in the life of our church. It was absolutely amazing. It was just an incredible day. But I have to admit to you guys that at the close of the service, I came to a place in my life of a crisis of belief. Now, I'm not saying that I lost my faith or stopped believing in God or anything like that. But I came to a crisis Because up until that moment, at the end of the service, when we received the offering for the Be a Part of the Miracle, um, our our Be a Part of the Miracle campaign, or Believing for God for the finances for our building project, I'm not sure how many people remember, but I made a pretty bold statement that I haven't addressed. The bold statement was that I believed the Holy Spirit had spoken to my heart and said that the building would be paid in full by the first service that we sat in it. And it wasn't. Okay, so I, I was sitting there going, man, God, did I have bad pizza or what happened there on that deal? You know, when, when, when the, the, we received an offering that day, and for those of you that weren't here, it was like $365,000 in one day. I mean, it was a miracle. It was incredible. I mean, mega churches don't have offerings like that. I mean, God has done incredible things. And what I was looking, when I looked up at the screen and I saw 365,000 and it needed to be 700 and something thousand, I went, uh oh. What do we do with that? So I do what any great pastor would do. We had this, this huge puzzle that sat up here, and all the pieces were the amount of money that we could fill the puzzle with. And so what I did was, whenever something like that happens, whenever you don't know what to do, just don't do anything. (laughs) So we took this gigantic puzzle, and we stuck it behind those doors for weeks and months. And I prayed a lot, and I said, God, what do we do with this? 
Not really sure. In fact, I want to share with you guys what I wrote in my prayer journal the day after our huge celebration, where I should be writing, God, you are so amazing. Your sustenance and supply is beyond belief. God, you are incredible, and I magnify you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Instead, I was a whining baby. And I wrote this. Well, God, I told the church that I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that the building would be paid off, and it wasn't. Not really sure what to do with that, God, but I guess we just move forward. I'm trying not to let it bug me, but it does. God, I'm trusting in your peace and comfort. I hope I didn't let people down. I hope this doesn't make me a liar, or worse, you a liar. It's kind of a major setback for me personally. Lord, as a church, we did our best. Thank you for your continual, abundant supply. You know, so what do you do with that? I wasn't really sure what to do. In fact, I hadn't addressed it until this moment. I'm trying to be transparent here and just share openly with you guys, because I don't want to be fake. I don't want to, I don't want to be up here and... and say things that I don't believe and all of those kind of things. I truly believed at that moment that the Holy Spirit had spoken to my heart. And I, I, can't, I can't really figure all of those things. I'm not really sure what happened with, with the be a part of the miracle offering. Um, you know, I, I do the best I can to hear from the voice of the Holy Spirit and be directed, uh, but I'm human. I also know that there's a room full of humans here as well and that you needed to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as well and be obedient in your own ways too. And so this wasn't just about me, it was about all of us as a church. And um, I'm not sure if we needed more time than the allotment that was given. I don't really understand. But I do know this much. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that this church has seen more miraculous financial miracles than many people will see in their lifetime in the last year and a half. So, you know what, guys? As I look at this, I thought to myself, okay, how does this all work out? And I began to read my Bible, and that's a good thing to do because then God begins to speak to your heart and change you. And, and as I began to read my Bible over the last few weeks, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart in a special way about generosity and about giving again. And I thought, man, this is really odd, God. I'd really love to just keep the puzzle in the closet. That would just be great. And uh, God began to speak to my heart, and, and, and we began, I began to, to feel the, the sensing of the Holy Spirit to talk about what I want to share with you this morning about in the area of giving. And you know what, guys? I believe that God doesn't want our church to be in debt, okay? And this is why. I believe that there, there are many churches, and I'm not knocking other churches for being in debt because we're in debt right now as a church. There are a lot of churches that would just take on a large amount of debt and they would put it, they would sock it away at a bank and they would just chip away at it month by month by month and they'd just say, that's just part of what we do and it's just how we function. But the way I look at it is, is that every check that we're cutting to the bank is one less check that we can use to affect the world. And so when I look at it that way, I'm very convicted in my own heart and conflicted in having debt as a church. 
So what, the greatest thing that we could do is say, hey, let's just eradicate the debt, but it's not that easy. I mean, we have to work at it, and this is something that'll take time and all of these kind of things. But when, when I look at it from the perspective of, of God's continuous supply, I see that, that God really believe, I believe that God has teaching our church to be generous. Generosity is a learned behavior. It is something that you learn to do over time. It's not something where you wake up one morning and, oh, I'm generous. It's something that, that as God stretches you in the area of giving, you begin to see the joy in that. You begin to see that generosity is a way of life. And as that continues to grow in your life and God continues to use you in that way, you see that, that being generous is, is something that is at the heart of God as well. That everything that we do in this life is really not about us, but it's about him. So this morning I want us to look through a passage of scripture talking about how generosity is an ongoing action. It's not just a one-time thing. It wasn't that God said, I want Wofford City Assembly of God, all the people here that were part of, be a part of the miracle, to just be generous for a year and a half. He was saying, I want to create a generous heart in every person so that I can accomplish my needs through every person from now until the day that I come back. So I want us to take our Bibles this morning, and for the first time since we've been in the sanctuary, you can open your Bibles and turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 8. For those of you that don't get that joke, um, it was like pitch black in here for a long time, but we got it fixed, so it's great now. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Do you hear that? You hear all those pages turning? I love it. Second Corinthians chapter 8, reading verses 10 through 15. Now it's important, I'm plucking a passage of scripture out of the Bible here. I'm, I'm pulling it out of 2 Corinthians. But you have to understand the context of what's going on. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church here. And what's happening around these verses is the fact that Paul was talking to a generous church. He was talking to the Corinthian church who were very generous in helping other churches nearby, in helping other people nearby. And, and so he was speaking to a generous church. And he was speaking to a church that was doing well. If you read the book of Corinthians, you sometimes wonder, because there was a lot of weird stuff going on in the church. But you know what? All churches are broken. And if you're looking for the perfect church, you're not going to find it. Because we're all imperfect. And so... The Corinthian church was imperfect, but they were generous. They loved to help out. They loved to advance the kingdom of God. And Paul was speaking to them because they were a church that was not persecuted as much as some of the other churches that were nearby. He was speaking to them because God had blessed them financially and wanted to use them in a special way to bless others. What God had given them, they understood, was not just to use for themselves, but was to bless others. And they had received offerings for other churches that were in need recently. But then Paul noticed that their generosity had begun to cool off. He said, you were really generous at this point in time. But then you just started cooling off. And this is how Paul addresses it in his letter to the Corinthians. And this is here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. We're just going to go verse by verse through these five verses. I'm not going to speak a long time this morning, guys. So verse 10, it says this. Here is my advice. This is what Paul says to them. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, 
You were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first ones to begin to do it. That's what God said to the Corinthians here. He says, it's good that you would finish the work that you've started. There was a great need, and the need continued, but the generosity hadn't continued. Paul was asking them to keep going, keep giving, keep helping. And over the time, their passion had dwindled. They still loved Jesus. They were passionate about people coming to know Jesus. They were reaching out in their local communities, all of those kind of things. But Paul had said, listen, you started strong, finish strong. Finish strong. Verse 11 goes on to read this way as Paul continues. He says, you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. The passion in which you began to help other churches and to help other believers around you, keep it up, Paul says. It's a clear directive to the church. Continue doing this. But then Paul says something that's interesting. Because there are ministries now that will try and get as much as they can. They'll try and get your money. Uh, be very careful where you're giving. Make sure that your money is, is you're a good, be a good steward of your giving. Um, but Paul was saying here that he said, give in proportion to what you have. It should be proportionate giving. And I started thinking about that. I was like, man, that, that's an interesting statement. How does, how does proportion work here? See, Paul is saying kind of like balanced giving is what he's saying. He's saying, if you have been blessed, then bless others to the proportion in which you've been blessed. Proportionate. It's proportional. And so he's saying, if also on the flip side, if you're struggling, don't feel the necessity that you have to, to give and put yourself in a hole. He's saying, to the proportion in which you have, that is the portion that you give. So Paul is explaining this to the church. When God blesses you, bless others. And so on and so forth. Make sure that our giving is not done out of resentment. He's saying, I don't want you to feel resentment when you're helping these other churches. I don't want you to feel resentment like, man, I always have to give and there's not enough to go around. And Paul in this chapter and in the next chapter, he's saying, listen, I don't want you to think of it as I have to give. He says, that's not the way I want you to think about it. He says later on in the chapter, he says, I want you to give thankfully with the mentality of I want to give. And then he goes on in, in chapter 9, he goes on to say, I want you to give cheerfully, like I get to give. That's what he's saying. I, I get to participate in the gospel and what God is doing all around uh, the world and all around the region. So verse 12 goes on to say this. Paul is continuing to teach here and writing this letter to the church. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard on yourselves. I only mean that there should be equality. And so Paul says here, whatever the proportion is, give it eagerly. Think of it as an opportunity to give, an opportunity to help other people around you. 
Then Paul brings the balance of giving again. He says your giving is not so that you you can stockpile all of this money so that one group of people can live like kings and everyone else is like this. He says, no, that's not what it's about. It's about the equality. It's not about padding someone's bank account or something like that. It's not so you give until you give yourself broke and then someone else benefits greatly. Maybe rather than the word equality here, like we talked about, maybe it's the word balance, and and it kind of explains it better in verse 14 here, the balance of giving. Verse 14 and 15, it says this, right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you are in need. In this way, things will be equal or things will be balanced. As the scriptures say, those who gather a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had a little left over. So as you have plenty, the scripture says here, it should be as a blessing to others. God doesn't bless us so that we can keep it for ourselves. But there's a promise in this. Because every one of us in this room have, have always We've probably experienced both sides of the coin. A lot of us have experienced moments when we've been very blessed by God, but there have been other times where we have experienced in our life very difficult financial straits, where things were very, very hard. And Paul is explaining the circle of the kingdom when it comes to giving here. And this is the principle. The principle is when you are blessed by God, and have great amounts where God has blessed you in in amazing ways, at that moment it is your responsibility to bless others. So that in the moments where you are struggling and things are not going well, and God is blessing someone else, that person can in turn come and bless you. It's the circle of blessing in the kingdom of God. So as we look at this, where are you at in the blessing circle? Where are you personally? What's going on in your life? As you have a lot of times when you're blessed and a lot of times when you're maybe not. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let me just say it. Oil. Right? I wasn't, nobody was like, he won't go there. He won't go there. No, I'm going there. What if, I don't want to create fear, panic, anything like that, but what if everything shut down tomorrow? Where would you be in the blessing circle? There are many people in this room that God has blessed in special ways over the last few years. God has provided you great jobs. He's provided you Um, a, a way to feed your family, all of those kind of things. What have you done with those resources in the last two years, in the last few years? Have you been using it to bless others and all of those kind of things? Because just so you know, just in case you might be thinking, you know, this is gonna last forever and all this, you know what? We might swing into the other side where there might be someone else across the country that might be saying, you know what? How can I help the people in Watford City? Where are you at in the blessing circle? We don't know. 
But I will tell you this much, as God provides in the moment of provision and blessing, we best be willing to help other people because the coin may turn someday. And God might say, you know what? Now it's time. And so I want to look at all of these things and say, guys, here's the thing. What you have to understand in this whole thing is that in Watford City here and the Bakken and all of those kind of things, so many people think that, man, our trust is in oil. Our trust is in oil. Our trust is in oil. Listen, my trust is in the God who placed the oil underneath our feet. I really don't care. You know, oil, listen, if oil wasn't here, a lot of the people sitting in this room wouldn't be here today. But it is. And God has placed you in a special place, in a special moment in your life right now in Watford City. But it's not for an accident. It's for a specific reason. That God would create a heart of generosity in us. So that whether you're living in Watford City or God draws you back to the place where your family is and all of those kind of things, that God would do something miraculous and special in your life in this moment. Because that's why he put oil under the ground. It was about Jesus. It wasn't about money. It was about God doing a transformation in your life. So guys, when I look at it this way, while God provides the jobs and all of the sustenance that we need, God is asking us to be generous, to advance the gospel to the best of our capabilities. And we're blessed to share in all that God is doing in this moment. So how does God's word apply to us as a church today at Wofford City Assembly of God? Guys, as a church, we have an amazing opportunity to impact people's lives like few churches do. God has provided us with an incredible window of opportunity to impact people both locally here in the Bakken area as well as globally around the world. And I want to share with you next week, I want to share with you the vision that Wofford City Assembly of God has both locally and globally to impact this world for Jesus Christ. But one of the things that, that kind of hinges on whether we can accomplish that to the, to, the, to the maximum that we can has to do with our debt here at the church. Now, God has done some amazing things financially as a church. And I just want to share with you kind of what those things have been. God's done these miracles, and people have been blown away by the continual provision. When we started our building project roughly a year and a half ago, um, when we started our building project, we had $800,000 saved, which was a miracle in and of itself. Our church has never had that kind of money, anything like that. I've been here since 2000. I've been a part of this church um, for 14 years now. Never had we seen God bless us in such a way. But we knew as a board and as a staff that God was doing something. He was preparing something for us. As we had that money set aside, $800,000, we said, what, what would God call us to do? And we felt like God was calling us to, to build this building. And, and normal churches add, like, like um, percentage-wise, they add 25% of their campus. We instead decided to add, help me with the percentage again, 300% of our campus. 300%. So multiplying our campus, saying we believe that God has something great and big in store for us. And 800000 wasn't going to cut it. We couldn't find a contractor for, to do it that much. The, you know, it was tough. It's the Bakken. Everything's inflated. And 800000 the lowest price that we could. We had quotes of over $4 million. We said there's no way 
We finally got things whittled down to a place where we believed that we could manage it. We said, okay, 3.6 million was the last figure that we said. We believed that it was going to be around 3 million, and with everything while we were building and stuff, we had increased the different things like that. 3.6 million. So we sat there and we said, man, what are we going to do? So we began to say, okay, God, what can you do in the time frame of from now until we build the building? $3.6 million. And we're starting with 800,000. We go, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In that year and a half, God provided in miraculous miraculous ways. That's the only way that I can explain it. And as of today, at the bank, we owe. I want to get it right because I'd misquote myself. We owe $465,000 of $3.6 million. In one and a half years, churches take out loans for these kind of things 30 years. I have a home church that I grew up in that had a huge building project. They still pay on the building, and I was a small child when they built it. Guys, if I would be an absolute moron... If I didn't believe that God was positioning us to make a push to change the world. Okay? So when I think about this, I go, God, I don't understand. Why us? Why now? What is going on? This is blowing my mind. And, and as I began to read the scripture, I thought, man, God, what do we do? And guys, we've been in our church. We've been in this facility less than a year. And right now, we only owe 10% of 90% of the cost. It's an absolute miracle. But the miracle's not done. We still owe 10%. So when we look at this, the miracle is not over. But I want to show you something this morning. Let's see if I can pull this off. Here's the puzzle. This is representing 10% of everything that we owe. So if we took this puzzle and we said, you know what, look at, look at this. This is just, do you guys remember when this was empty? you guys remember when it was just like the outside and everyone was going, wow, that is so defeating. Why do we even have that up there? <laughs> guys, I want you to understand that each one of these puzzle pieces has represented over $10,000 that someone has sacrificially given, probably in this room. And God has supplied in such a miraculous way. And guys, my heart's desire is, and we're going to talk about our mission next week and some of those kind of things, but I want you to understand that in order for God to accomplish all that he has for us as a church, I believe by the end of 2015, I'd love to see this thing finished off so that every penny of the giving that we give above and beyond, paying for the heat and the lights and the staff and the things that we do locally and all of those kind of things would go into reaching more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that someday everyone on the planet would have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. And guys, I had a man, when I shared this vision and I shared the vision that I'm going to share with you next week, I had an elderly man about 65 years of age 
He walked out of our service that day. He walked out of our service that day. And he took my hand and he began to weep with tears streaming down his cheeks. And he said, Pastor Sheldon, if every church could understand this principle, we could reach the world. We could. He said, for the first time, it was as if, it was as if for the first time, he didn't say this, but it was as if for the first time, he really understood that it was possible. That the great commission that Jesus has given us was possible. So let's look at this, guys. There's 37 pieces left on the puzzle. Each of them at this point now would represent $12,500. And you know what? We're not going to push for this. We, we want to see this completed, but it's not our focus. Our focus is people. Okay, and one of the hardest things for churches to eradicate is debt because debt just disappears. No one thinks about it. No one worries about it. But guys, I want us to understand that when we can eradicate this, every bit of money that would go to a bank somewhere is instead going to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ somewhere. Okay, so when we look at this, we go, this is important. This is key to what we're doing. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this puzzle and we're going to put it out in the foyer somewhere. We're going to put it up nice and it's going to be there for the whole year. And we're going to slowly pull in the, put in those puzzle pieces. We'll maybe show you a, a video or something like that. And you know what? Every month on the first Sunday of every month, like we've done uh, all of these times, we're going to continue to have those giving envelopes. And if God would lay on your heart to say, you know what? I'd like to give and I'd like to help eradicate that debt then I would encourage you to do so and do it on a continuous basis. Do it on something that, that's continual. So when we look at this, guys, what are some of the things from Scripture that Paul told the Corinthian church? How can we apply it to what we're looking at here at Wofford City Assembly of God? I, there's three principles that I get from the Scripture. Number one is this. Finish what you've started, Paul said. Finish what you've started. He said, you were so passionate at the beginning and your giving and your generosity. He said, finish what you've started. Finish the things that you started. Why is it important that we finish this debt? Because listen, I would hate to be the one, and, and all of us are guilty in this room, I would hate to be the one to hand over to the next generation a dilapidated building and a thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. I refuse to do that. I will position the next generation. Maybe somewhere in our children's ministry, there is a young man or young woman that God would so call to be the pastor of Watford City Assembly of God someday. And they would stand in this pulpit and they would say, I'm so thankful for the people over the years for their generosity that they have positioned this church to the place it's in where it can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't harness anyone with a bunch of debt or a bunch of things. We want to be the generation that makes a massive difference in this community and ultimately in the world. That's who we want to be. We want to be remembered as that generation. So when I look at these things, let's finish what we've started. We started it. We don't need to hand it off to the next generation to finish what we started. Let's finish this. The second thing that Paul says, give eagerly and proportionately. Listen, the first thing I want to say about giving at this church, if you don't want to give, don't give. We don't want your money. Yes, you heard me correctly. And I'm not being a jerk about this or anything like that. If you're new to the church, you'll just, you'll get me. I'm kind of weird. It's okay. 
But if, if you don't want to give, don't give. We don't, we don't want people to give out of, comp- out of compulsion. I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here trying to crowbar money out of your wallet. No way. But if you're here and God is speaking to your heart to help us change the world, by all means, let's do it. Let's partner together as, as a church and a body of believers to do something greater than we could ever imagine because we all know that we could do far more together than we ever could individually. And so as God uses us in a special way, listen, I, I'm never going to try and, and, and pull money this way. All I'm trying to say is I'm giving you an opportunity to give, and Scripture tells us be eager to give proportionately. Another thing is proportionately. Do not ever go into debt to give, ever, ever. The Scripture says give out of what you've got. Okay? So give out of what you've got. Give proportionately. Simply give the portion that God has given you. The last thing that I see as a biblical principle, that God desires us to be ready and able to give to help with the needs of others, to help others come to know Jesus Christ. Guys, if we as a church are in debt or just churches in general are in debt, it hinders our ability to give to our full potential, as we've talked about. We want to position our church to do amazing things for and with God. We desire to be God's hands and feet, both in Watford City and in the surrounding communities and ultimately the world. And we want to see more people hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we believe that Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. And if we are going to see this world changed, it's going to be through Jesus. That's the bottom line. So, I want to read to you, and next week as we, I want to share with you kind of more of the strategy of, and the vision of our mission, but I want to read to you in closing this morning the passage of scripture that we just read, uh, but I want to read it from the Message Bible. It reads this way. Paul says, so here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's, your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. Your surplus matches their deficit their surplus matching your deficit. In the end, you come out even. As it is written, nothing left over to the one with the most, nothing lacking to the one with the least. Guys, we can do far more together than we ever could apart. Would you partner with me in believing that God is going to use this church to transform this region and ultimately change the world? Would you close in prayer with me today? God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have. And though times, Lord, it's difficult to speak about finances and and different things like that. But God, I want you to know, Lord, from the depths of my heart, how thankful I am for each person in this room, Lord, that is dedicated to you, that truly their heart is soft towards you and what you desire to do in this region and around the world. And Father, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are doing something supernatural God, you are using this church to be a part of a greater 
grandiose plan of you changing the world. And so, God, we want, we want to be a part of that. God, we ask that our hearts would be soft and sensitive to all that you would do, that we would be ready and willing. Father, I pray for those people who are here maybe for the first time or are visiting this morning. God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that a heart of generosity would fill their hearts today, God, that your Holy Spirit would use them to spur on their local churches, God, to see uh, their local churches make a difference in this world in a powerful way. So, Lord, we're just praying, Lord Jesus, that you would use all of the things that you're doing God, in this room and in our hearts to spread across the entire nation that many hearts of people would be touched and changed because, God, you're what life is about. And we're so thankful and we're so blessed and we love you so much. And God, we just ask, Lord, that you would pour out your blessing and abundance upon our region and upon each person in this room, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming this morning. The Lord bless you. Why don't you greet someone as you're leaving because it's so bright in here. You can see each other.